Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about how to save a bundle on your bar. I think sometimes that the bar can be one of the most confusing or complicated or scary sounding aspects of planning your wedding because drinks are expensive and you have no idea how much people are going to drink and there are several different options and it can get overwhelming and confusing. So today I have asked Beth Landry to join me again. She was on last week to talk about her many events that she had for her vow renewal at Walt Disney World and she had a great experience. She did six different events and so that was six different sets of bars that she had to figure out and she figured out some interesting things that I can't wait for her to share with you. So welcome Beth. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me again. Well, thanks for being back on the show. I think first, before we talk about your experience, I'm just going to give a breakdown about the basics of having a bar, how it works, what your options are, and kind of explain the different options. And then Beth and I will talk about the pros and cons of each one and which ones we think are the best and will save you the most money. So right off the bat, whatever menu you get, if you pick one of Disney's set menus, is going to have some beverages with it. So coffee, tea, and ice water are always going to be something that you will have. Usually when you do a brunch, those menus come with juice. I think ours had a choice of two of four different kinds of juices or whatever. So the first thing you're going to want to do is look at the menu you chose and see what beverages are already accounted for there. Now, anything else that you want would be paid for individually, like if you decided you wanted a couple bottles of wine or you wanted to have some cans of Coke or maybe you wanted to do a specialty cocktail, and we'll talk about this more in a second, or you can have a bar. And if you're not drinkers or you're not planning to have alcohol, you can still have a bar. Just because it's called a bar doesn't mean that it's alcoholic. They actually have a bar package that is just soda, juice, and bottled water. But then they also have the signature bar, the premium bar, all different types of bar based on the kinds of liquor that are in them. So when you do a bar, there is a $100 charge if your bar sells less than $500 worth of product. So that's something to consider. If you really don't need the bread of choices that a bar would provide you because you really do only want to have a signature cocktail or something, you might be better off just providing the signature cocktail and then going with whatever beverages come with your menu because then you don't have that $100 charge if people don't buy that much. Now, maybe you're having a huge guest list and you know you're going to sell more than $500. But again, we'll talk about this in our pros and cons section in a minute. Now, you should know that all beverages come with a 21% service fee and 6.5% tax that's on the drinks and on the service fee. However, there is no tax on bottled water, some sort of law or something. So if you're somebody who likes to budget down to the last dime, that's something you're going to want to take into account. 
You can also request a type of drink that is not on the list that Disney sends you. However, they will charge you for all the containers of it that they open, and they will charge you a 30% handling fee. So sometimes people look at that and they're like, Meh, I'll just go with whatever Disney offers. It's not that big a deal. Other people, it's a huge deal that they have a certain kind, and so then they're paying those extra fees. And then the last thing to think about before we start really getting into the nitty-gritty of the types of bars is that the length of the bar, because the bar you get it for a certain number of hours, it doesn't have to match the length of your event. And we'll talk about some tips involving this in a minute. But, you know, for an example, you could close it during dinner because everybody's going to be sitting down, or you could cut it off an hour before the event ends. But first, let's talk about the three different ways to pay for the bar because there are some important distinctions. There is the package bar, and this is a bar where you are paying for all the drinks in advance and it's unlimited. So you've paid Disney this chunk of change and your guests can get as many drinks as they want and you're not going to have to pay over it depending on how many they drink. Then there is the bill on consumption bar, which is exactly what it sounds like. You are only billed on the drinks that are consumed, and you, again, are paying. Your guests don't have to pay for this, but you're only paying for exactly what they drink. And then the third type of bar is a cash bar, and this is where the guests would pay. And it can get confusing because of Disney's language. In real life, a hosted bar, all that means is that you pay for it. You could be paying for it via one of Disney's packages, or you could be paying bill on consumption. But Disney uses the term hosted interchangeably with BOC. And I think it gets confusing because people then think that the only alternative to a hosted bar is a cash bar, and they don't understand the way the options work. So for the purposes of this show, and you will find in my book, Passporters, Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, I use BOC, Bill on Consumption, to refer to the type of bar where you are paying for the drinks. You are only paying for the drinks that are consumed, not a package up front. So let's talk about the differences. Package bar, you're going to be paying a set fee per guest that is based on the length of your event and unlimited drinks. So Disney figures out about how much they think people are going to drink, and you just pay up front. And if they don't drink that much, you've overpaid. If they drink more, you've underpaid. The next choice is the bill on consumption bar. You pay up front, but you only pay based on Disney's estimate of how much your guests will drink. And then after the event, if they don't drink that much, you get a refund. And if they drink more, you get a bill. I think this is what scares a lot of people because the idea of getting a bill after you've already paid Disney all this money and you've had your event is very frightening. But I have to say that in seven years of doing this, I have maybe seen two people who got a bill afterwards. The key is that you are being billed on consumption. You're paying for exactly what people drink. And then the cash bar, sometimes known in the real world as a no-host bar, this is where your guests are going to be paying for the drinks. And you have to pay a $35 per hour charge for a cashier. And then the drink prices that the guests pay are usually about 50 cents or a dollar more than you would pay for them if you were doing the bill on consumption bar or the package bar. And we're not going to talk too much about a cash bar on this show just because it seems like for a lot of people, this is a really a hot button topic with wedding etiquette. Some people feel that it is really, really rude to ask your guests to pay for their own drinks after they've already come all this way to come to your wedding and you're the host and you should be treating them to everything. Other people just culturally because of where they're from or what their friends and family are used to have no problem with a cash bar and they're totally used to paying for their own drinks at weddings and it's not a big deal. In New England, it's 
fairly common. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Because we actually did a cash bar at our first wedding, and that was mainly because Paul's mother, due to some family issues with alcohol, didn't want a bar at all. And this was kind of the compromise we had was that this way the family members couldn't just go up and get one. It was more of an more of an effort to do it if they had if they wanted one. In New England, it's not that uncommon to do it that way. Interesting. Or at least it wasn't 10 years ago because the hotel was like, no, we do them all the time. Okay. Yeah. And I think if that's where you're from and that's what everybody who's coming is going to be used to, then hey, go for it. I have heard that in the UK, it's also not unusual. But then you get hear other people who are just aghast at the idea of charging their guests for drinks. So I say take the temperature of your own crowd when you're making that decision. And then there's one other option, which you don't hear of too much, but it is possible to bring your own booze. (laughs) You can BYOB. Uh, What you should know, though, is that Disney likes to make this extremely unattractive with a lot of different fees. So first, there is the corkage fee, and that is 50 cents per bottle or can of beer, soda, and water, and then $20 per bottle for liquor and wine. Then on top of that, there's a $2.50 per drink charge for liquor that covers mixers. And then there's also a service charge, which is 21% on all beverages opened. And it's based on Disney's retail price for whatever you bring, not what you paid. So if you go to Wine Barn and you get a box of something and it's really cheap, it doesn't matter because if Disney would have paid $50 for that box of wine, that's what they're going to base the service charge on. Yeah, we actually wanted to bring in some of our guests, our big fans, and we like it too, of Patron tequila and Disney didn't offer it in the package. So we we went back and forth with the, well, you know, would we pay Disney to do it? Would we bring it in, you know, go to the liquor store, bring in a couple bottles, and then at that point just say whatever we had was going to be it for the several events we had. And between what ever Disney was going to charge us their way of bringing it in versus us, we finally decided this is a whole hassle we're just not going to get into. And if our friends don't like it, then guess what? Life goes on. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that unless you're like a super foodie and you really want to pair a certain wine with a certain dish you're serving, I think guests are pretty chill about what types of liquor are being served. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, my friends couldn't do uh, Patron shots, but based on my calculations, they still managed to drink enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They managed to find some good substitutions. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, Okay, so usually when you're planning, what it comes down to for most people is, do I do a package for my alcohol and soda or whatever for my drinks? Or do I do bill on consumption? And there can be so many uncertainties that it makes it seem like it's a really difficult choice. Probably the top criteria that most people look at when they're trying to decide which one to do is price. If you do a package, you are going to be paying between $8.50 and $27.50 per person for the first hour of your event, and then $4 to $7 each for every hour thereafter. This could be good if you have a ton of drinkers and they like expensive stuff. (laughs) So then for BOC, Disney has to charge you up front when you make your final payment. So they're guessing, just like you're guessing, how much your guests are going to drink. And then you get either a refund or you get a bill afterwards when they find out how much people actually drink. So the way they calculate that is two drinks per person for the first hour and one drink for each hour thereafter multiplied by the price of the cocktail in the bar you choose, which ranges from $6.25 to $8.75. So if you have the, I think the top bar, they call it the signature bar, 
that one's more than if you have the, you know, basic. The call brands, I think they call There it. you go. Yeah, call brands. So then what are some clues that you can use to help you figure out how much your guests are going to drink? Well, a big one can be the time of day of the event. If you're having a 10 a.m. brunch, people are probably not going to be hitting the shots. I don't know your crowd, but I'm thinking that's not going to be a big deal. If you're having a Saturday night wedding with a DJ and dancing and the really traditional, then you can probably expect that people are going to want to drink more. Since we had multiple events, we had a welcome dinner on Friday evening, and then we had our brunch reception Saturday um, morning slash afternoon. When I broke down the costs, it was amazing to me that the exact same crowd drank about $150 more of alcohol on Friday night versus Saturday afternoon. Interesting. So definitely nighttime, you're relaxing a little bit more, you've had a nice dinner, you're not necessarily worried about what you're doing for the rest of the day. So a night event, I would definitely say you're you're going to get charged a bit more than you would for a daytime reception. And a daytime reception, you can also just pick brunch kind of drinks, like which is what we went with, which was like Bloody Marys and Bellinis and stuff like that, and just cut it off at that point and not really offered a whole package. Right. That's a good point, too, because people are probably not going to expect a fully stocked bar at a brunch reception versus a Saturday night wedding. And like you say, you can just pick screwdrivers or something to add to the brunch and really contain costs that way. Yeah, because our bar ended up being for our reception. We ended up doing, since we had so many special drinks that we just wanted, like the Bloody Marys and the screwdrivers and stuff like that, that it didn't make any sense for us to do a package on top of that because everything else was still billed BOC. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Another clue, obviously, is going to be religious restrictions, like if your whole family belongs to a denomination that doesn't drink or drinks very little, that's going to be a huge clue. Or if a lot of people in your family or a lot of your friends are AA members, or if you have pregnant people on your guest list, those people right off the bat you know are not going to be drinking. And even though you'll be paying for them for BOC or package up front with BOC, you're going to get a refund on your pregnant bridesmaid. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I think that could go for any health issue. Like I know a friend of mine, she has bad headache triggers and alcohol is one of them. So I knew right off the bat paying for a package for her would have been pointless because she wasn't going to be able to drink anything. Right, right. So it was just our one of our little issues we had. Interesting. Another thing I notice is that when they are trying to get you to buy a package, Disney's planners will mention this idea that people like to open a drink or get a drink, take one sip, set it down, wander off, forget it, and go get another one. If this is something you're worried about, maybe you take into consideration your venue's wanderability. You know, if you're in Atlantic Dance Hall, which has two levels, it's a pretty large place, I could see how somebody might set down a drink, wander off, and forget where they put it. But if you're at the attic, which is tiny and only holds about 35 people, there's not a very large field that they can go a field of to lose their drink. So... That might be something. Also, if you're having a sit-down dinner, you know, people are just going to be sitting there and being served. They're not even getting up to go to a buffet. I think that would probably cut down on that if that's something you're worried about. And then the last thing to note is that guests under 21 are not counted in your calculations for liquor. So maybe you're using a number that's all your guests when you're doing your own calculations and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. But don't forget that everybody under 21, you don't have to meet the beverage minimum for them because they can't drink. The funny thing is, though, on our BEO, they actually did not take the 
three 10 to 21 year olds into account on our BEO originally. And I looked at Paul and I go, okay, so we're paying extra for it. But we actually looked at it as a cushion. We actually didn't change it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Trick yourself. (laughs) Yeah. We thought that this way, if we paid it, we'd still get it back no matter what, that since we went BOC, that this way, if we ended up, you know, people drank more than we anticipated, at least there was a little teeny bit of a cushion in there with the three extra people that couldn't drink. Right, right. So yeah, tell us about your experience with this. I mean, I guess you don't have to break down every single bar you did. But overall, what what was your experience? And how did you guys decide to do BOC? As I said about our first wedding, we did do a cash bar, which is something looking back on it, we would have preferred not to have done. But it was a done deal at that point. So we moved on. But it was one of the things we definitely were focused on for our vow renewal. And we knew that it was going to be a hosted bar. We just had to kind of figure out which way we were going to go. And Paul was very, very much for just paying for the package and being done with it. We didn't want to be looking around the room going, oh, so that one had that many. Wow, we didn't anticipate that one um, kind of thing. And we also knew we had some somewhat serious drinkers on our guest list that it could be an issue. But then as I started doing more research about it and I saw the price breakdowns and, you know, I certainly have read your book over and over multiple times and I looked at it and I started figuring it out and I said to Paul, I said, it's coming out about the same using the Disney calculation. I said, and if they're wrong, I said, if it's over what we drink, I said, we're going to get that back. And the getting the money back part was huge. You know, I started pointing out certain, like my friend who has health issues, I said, we're going to be paying for a package for her and she can't drink it. And my sister-in-law, who ended up not attending at the last minute, she only drinks one particular drink at all. She drinks Grand Marnier and that is it. And Disney was perfectly fine with that. It's in their signature cordial package. But we had to pay BOC for her for that alcohol. They couldn't include it in anything because it was out of the norm. So we would have ended up, if we'd done a package, paying for my sister-in-law's package plus whatever drink she drank on top of that. Interesting. So when I pointed that out to Paul, he was looking at me and goes, really? I said, yes, we're going to be paying like $35 for Kathy not to drink the normal stuff and still be spending a lot of money as she goes through the Grand Marnier that we've provided for her. Suddenly that clicked for him especially if you're going to do a lot of signature cocktails like the mimosas and the Bellinis, they all had that listed as BOC for us. So it made a lot more sense for us to go that route. If you go BOC, we found you could customize it a lot more than you could with just saying, we want the package. Interesting. Yeah. And you were kind enough to share your final bar breakdown with me. And what I found fascinating was that Disney listed how much they charged you up front, their estimate of how much people would drink bill on consumption, and then how much people actually drank, you got a lot of money back. And one contrast that was particularly striking to me was they charged you up front for, I think it was the soft drinks and uh, wine package and water or something like that. And Mm -hmm. their estimate was $1,350. And what people actually drank was about $118. (laughs) Right. That's we huge. ended up with our refund for the, for our reception was that was the thirteen fifty plus another couple of dollars on top of that from what they had figured out with all of our signature drinks and stuff like that. It was remarkable. Yeah, and that's from a crowd that, like you say, did have some some serious drinkers in it. You know, it, it wasn't all grandmas. <laughs> no, no, um, not at all. 
when I looked at the numbers, it, it does certainly look that everybody, based on the guest list, had at least one drink. So, like I said, it was an afternoon reception. But, I mean, everybody had a, a great time, and it was there. But Disney definitely overestimates, in my opinion, in your favor. It was interesting when I did the breakdown that the, the two events we did go over Disney's estimate on were the ladies' tea, which I was actually against doing alcohol at all from the very beginning. But the Asbury patio has a $1,000 food and beverage minimum. And because of the way my guest count was coming in, I was hitting like $900 or a little bit over that. And I thought, well, Disney's going to charge me for that anyway. Let me throw a, I love Rosa Regale. And I said, you know what? Let me throw a couple bottles of that in. And my planner Vita was like, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. She goes, how about we put two on there? Because you have 18 adults. I said, okay. And she said, if you want to go over, it has to be bride's approval. Uh-huh. That was fine. And we, we, all of a sudden we drained the second bottle and I looked at Vita and I gave her the thumbs up going, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> so that was part of why we went over there. And it looks like we drank a lot more soft drinks than Disney had estimated. That's where I think that came in. And, and then at the dessert party, we did the Grey Goose slushies. And it looks like we drank more of those than um, Disney had anticipated on that one as well which wasn't remotely surprising to me. I thought their number was going to be off based on our guest count. But <laughs> Interesting. And that's what you're talking about, bride's approval. That's a really interesting point too because if you want to be that hands-on, you can customize it up to the moment that you're actually consuming the alcohol. Yes. They had the two bottles I had already agreed to. They had a third bottle sitting there. And I'm sure that if I'd, if I'm sure if I'd said I wanted two or three more, they would have gone and gotten them for me. And, you know, all of a sudden, Vita, I said, I just went to Vita and I go, just, just, I opened the third. And she was like, okay. So I knew we were going to be over on that one, but it was my approval to go over. So. Right. And you totally made it up on your other bar. So that was great. Exactly. The other thing I do think is Disney is fabulous for us at getting recipes to make things for our bar. We love the red sangria from Via Napoli, and we asked for that because we had the Bellanote welcome dinner, and we really wanted to serve that, and they got the recipe for it. And apparently, Via Napoli really didn't want to give it up, but eventually they did. And we served that at our reception, and that was a huge hit. And even though Disney only billed me originally for five of them and then when the final bill came, they said 15. I know we drank way more than 15. There's no way it was just 15. Interesting. They were, they were, they were refilling from pitchers. And they were like, oh, top you off. Here you go. They, they were great about that. But they, if, you, if there's something specific that you really want, even from one of the Epcot restaurants, they can try to get it for you and, and provide it for you. That's a great tip because I often recommend people customize your menu. If you like Le Cellier's cheddar cheese soup, they can try to recreate it at your wedding. But I never even considered, yeah, they could even recreate drinks that you like. Yep, because we, we specifically said, and I love most sangria. I love the white super fruit sangria they serve at every Disney restaurant and bar. But we were specifically at that point had asked for the Via Napoli sangria. And it was even on our BEO, see Ken for the recipe. You know, it was very complicated, but they did it for us. And it was fabulous. Everybody loved it. That's cool. That's cool. Great tip. And I would just say, I mean, my experience was that we were just sort of ushered straight into doing a package for soda. We weren't doing any alcohol. And we they just sort of said, you know, here's your soda package. And we said, okay. And it was a huge waste. We paid 
over $900 for a soda package for 32 people. And people drank, you know, less than a quarter of this. Uh, they were all sitting out. We had this photo of all of them lovingly lined up in rows, not being consumed, you know. Oh, I've seen those pictures. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I, that's why I've become a huge proponent of the BOC, Bill on Consumption Bars. And in my experience, having watched Disney weddings for seven years now, I would say people almost always get a refund on a BOC bar. I've maybe seen two or three people in seven years who were then hit with a bill afterward for drinks that went over the estimate. And at the very least, they break even. The way I see it is it's better to risk getting a bill after the fact but have the chance of getting a refund than to overpay up front and have absolutely no chance of getting a refund. Because even if you do happen to get a bill afterwards, you're only paying for what people actually drank. Whereas when you buy a package, you could be paying for tons of stuff that nobody's drinking. Right. I mean, for our reception, I could have added two more characters for the amount of money we got back. Wow, that's a really good comparison. Yeah, I mean, a character appearance, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, we got almost $1,400 back. And as I said to Paul, I said, oh, I could have added Alice and the Mad Hatter to my tea party. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, really? I was like, yes. <laughs> but that's a good way to break it down is that, you know, if you know the other costs involved with a Disney wedding that are special, like a character appearance, you can say, ooh, that's totally concrete right there. Right, right. And it isn't going in, it isn't totally a guessing game because, you know, you can figure out how much Disney's going to charge you for BOC. And often what I see girls say is, well, the BOC price is only like $200 cheaper than if we just went with a package. But what they're not considering is that that's the estimate of the BOC, but you will right. probably get a refund. Whereas if you pay the $200 more for a package, no refund. You know, another thing we found out is if there's a particular juice you like from one of the breakfast locations, they can try to get that too. Oh, that's cool. So was there a specific one you guys were interested in? We wanted to do the juice from 1900 Park Fair, which we, we love. And we ended up not doing it because I think they were going to do BOC or whatever. And we 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 decided it was far too complicated at that point. We're just like, nope, we, we axed it. But for a subsequent event, I did find out recently from Disney Catering that like we're getting jungle juice at a private breakfast we're going to do. Oh, great. From Tusker House. Oh, so geez. they can get certain things depending on how nice you ask. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of works into one of the money-saving tips we talked about that, you know, maybe you don't provide any alcohol except a signature cocktail or Grey Goose slushies or, like you say, jungle juice, maybe spiked jungle juice if that's appropriate for oh. your <laughs> for your uh, party. And that can be a good way to save money because then you do have an alcoholic option, but you don't have to provide the full breadth of options that a bar would give you. Yeah, I mean, that, that was part of the reason why we originally went with just the signature drinks. We ended up adding the premium wine and beer just in case, which we ended up getting most of that back. But everybody drank the signature drinks. We probably would have been perfectly fine with just offering those. Interesting. Another money-saving tip that sometimes people don't think about is the toast. There are a couple ways to save money on a toast. One is to specify that the servers only pour half glasses of champagne because it's just a toast. Another is to substitute cider for the toast. And then the one that was kind of a no-brainer for me was just to toast with drinks in hand, meaning it doesn't have to be 
a thing where you buy champagne just for the toast. I mean, a toast can happen at any time and people can toast with whatever they happen to be drinking at that time. And so I think people just automatically assume, okay, yeah, champagne toast, add that to the BEO, but you don't necessarily need to provide a separate type of alcohol just for the toast. Right, because not everyone, I know Paul does not like champagne at all. Hmm. So for him, it would have been like, oh, okay, I'll take a sip because I have to. And then the rest would just sit there. Right, right. We did drinks in hand and it was perfectly fine. Right. Other tips if you're trying to save money. Now, maybe you can speak to this because it sounds like you did enjoy having them at your dessert party. But a lot of people find that a bar is just not even needed at a dessert party because it's so short. It only lasts about an hour. Half of that time people are sitting there watching the fireworks. And so it could be an area where you could cut in order to provide a full bar at your reception if that was a monetary trade-off you needed. Paul originally was like, no, we're going to do a bar at the dessert party. And I was pulling him back from it. And when I heard, I think it was the podcast you released, actually, we were, I was listening to it on the plane on our way to our planning session. And I heard, I think it's AJ from the Disney food blog. Oh, yeah. And you guys had talked about doing the slushies at the dessert party. And I was like, oh, I, was, I like stopped it. And I was like, oh, you can do slushies at the dessert party. And <laughs> that we own our DVC at Beach Club. And Paul will actually just say to me, I want a slushie. And we'll walk in. That's his favorite thing in the whole wide world. And so when I told him that, he was like, oh, yeah, we can just do that. That's fine. (laughs) And it was a huge, huge hit with our guests. They adored it. That's great. But no one said, you know, no one was looking for like, oh, I was hoping for, you know, a screwdriver or whatever. No, it was like, oh, wow, these are really cool. And everyone was like, like, the ones from France? I'm like, yeah, just like the ones from France. See, it's a big bottle of Grey Goose sitting right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) You know, and this isn't alcohol related, but another thing I found with the dessert party is we just did two stations. So there was no waste of food. There was no, nothing like we did a flambe station and ice cream. I think that's a really good idea too. I think we get so excited about the menus they send us and there are so many fabulous sounding options that you think I have to provide my guests all this selection and so you get you know six or eight things when really they would have been happy with like you say like build your own sundae or you know uh, flaming donuts or something yeah that we did the flambe donuts which everyone thought was so people were like I haven't eaten a donut in years but I had two or three of them <laughs> because I mean it was cool to watch and the ice cream was part of the donuts and they had the the sundae bar and I think we had fruit salad and and that was it. I didn't want to see plates of food not be eaten. And that this way, by having two things that we couldn't possibly take home if we wanted to. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of hard to take home a flambe donut. <laughs> yes. That it was kind of like, okay, well, we offered what exactly what we wanted because we were, since our tasting wasn't Epcot, we were able to try the flambe donut at our tasting and we both instantly fell in love with it. Aww. But it was something cool that you wouldn't have, you know, you can get a brownie anywhere. You can... You know, get the, you know, you can get a lot of the stuff Disney would offer in a regular menu, but not a flambe, you know, there's no flambe donut stand, which I think Disney is missing out on. (laughs) Um, And that was a great way to save money for us, but still offer something special that all of our guests were like, oh my God, the dessert party was fabulous. That's great. That's a really good point. Yeah. And then another idea is you can cut the bar off for the last hour of the reception, or you can have it switch to only providing soda, or like we said, you can stop it during dinner. It's a little bit more flexible than you would think. It isn't just, you know, bam, my reception's five hours, I'm paying for five hours. 
Another idea is to nix the pre-reception altogether. This is one of my big causes that I champion when I talk about doing a first look where you do your photos with your the bride and groom before the wedding. It helps you cut the pre-reception out so that after the ceremony, you guys can go straight to the reception. And that would be a great way to save money on booze because that's a whole hour that you can cut off whatever package you're doing or the, you know, the bill on consumption estimate that they're giving you. You also save on the food that you might be providing them. And I know for me as a wedding guest, I spend most of the time after the final I do's wondering when the food is going to start. And so when there's no pre-reception, the food starts a lot quicker. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about when the food starts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's such a large component of it. But once it's figured out, I would suggest leave it alone. Once you've decided what you want to do, don't don't keep revisiting it because it will really drive yourself crazy. <laughs> and that those words of wisdom pretty much go for every aspect of the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Beth, this is great stuff. I'm so glad that you could join me again today on the show. I think you've offered a lot of really good ideas for someone who is trying to figure out what they want to do for the bar, some new ideas, and some great money-saving ideas. So I really appreciate your coming back on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Glad to help. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at disneyweddingpodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at Passporter.com and Amazon.com. <laughs>